Welcome to the Fountain City Church Podcast. For message notes, weekly headlines, and past message series, make sure to check out the Fountain City Church mobile app, now available on the App Store and Google Play. We hope you enjoyed this message and have a great rest of your day. Good morning, church. Uh, My name is John Sammons. Uh, I'm a deacon here, and I lead a men's group. Um... This morning, I get to read uh, Romans 12, verses 1 through 8 with you. Um, If you haven't met me, at my core, I'm kind of an introvert. Two things that make me really nervous is being in front of people and reading, so this is perfect. (laughs) Um, My wife, Candace, she also leads a group, and she's she's the extrovert of our couple. Um, So if you haven't met me, you've probably met her. Um, And then there's our kids, LJ, Kathleen, Mabry, and our little baby, Kyrie, uh, he officially becomes a Salmon's July 7th. Yeah. <clears throat> so if you've ever considered doing foster care, it'll, it'll teach you things you didn't know. Um, the Lord will humble you and you'll realize you take for granted things you didn't know. Um, it's just, it's incredible. All right, Romans 12, one through eight. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Man, um, he just read those verses there, and um, what we've already seen this morning is like, different gifts being used in the way that God's, you know, plan is. We've seen it right here in front of us through Roland and through those, like, playing, through John reading, saying, telling a little bit about himself. And anyways, I hope you, hope none of that is lost on you today as you sit there. I hope you see that picture and you get a bigger picture of that as we continue uh, through our study here in Romans chapter 12. Happy Father's Day to everyone, and I hope you're doing all right. It's good to be back with you. I appreciate Alan filling in last week and all of the good stuff that went on here. Um, uh, It's always good to hear about all that. But Well, I want to jump right in today, Um, and uh, I heard an illustration this week by Pastor Joby Martin, and I I think it kind of gives us a little bit of a review, uh, just as those scriptures that we we just read all of that. We're only going to talk about the last uh, three verses for the most part, but I believe this gives us a little bit of a review and gets us headed in the right direction this morning, which is helpful. And so as a Christian, 
I want to help you understand, and and myself, even as I just think about this and talk more about it, is that we're saved into the church. And I was thinking about, like, it's a little bit like going to grab a Petro's. Now, maybe you've never been there, or you live under some sort of rock somewhere, and you don't know what a Petro's is. Uh, It's chili, chips, and then whatever else you want on it, cheese, sour cream. It started back in 1982 with the World's Fair and black olives, jalapenos, whatever whatever else you want to just throw in there. But it's funny, like when I think about it, it's like you don't have a Petro's without chili and chips, okay? So you might have some chips, some of the Fritos, and those are just, it's not a Petro's, it's just the chips they use in a Petro's, it's just chips. You might have some chili, and that's just a, we call that a bowl of chili. If you're not familiar with that, that's not hard. But you can't have a Petro's without having chips and chili, all right? It's just not a thing. It's not possible. And really, that's how it is for the church. You can't be saved and not part of the church. It, it just, it, it, it's a thing, all right? It goes together. It, it, it isn't some sort of Lone Ranger thing. I was thinking about that this morning. I was like, but, but he even had Tonto, right? Uh, you know, and so Martin's illustration talked about it being a team sport. See, to say that you don't need a church to really grow in Jesus, that's like saying, like, like some guy saying, hey, I'm a baseball player, I just don't have a team. No, you're not. You're just some strange guy walking around in tight pants, right? <laughs> like, we, we live in a world, he, he, he says, this says, I don't need the church. Because, well, I can just grow with God at the beach or at the campground or in the mountains and I can just worship online like that. No, we talked about a couple weeks ago, remembering, I mean, we talked about 1 Corinthians 12. We looked at it and we will look at it again this week some, but it says the church is one body with many parts and all of us are connected to Christ, the head of the church through the body of Christ called his church. And not just the local church, the universal church. And so Martin goes on to say that you and I have to be connected because what happens to a disconnected body part? So let's say that after the service today, you're walking out to your car, uh, wherever it's at, you know, in the 19 lots that we have in the 48 places that we park around here, all right? Just to get to come to church here, all right? And so... You're, you're walking to your car because it's a thing we do here at Fountain City Church. And on the way, you look down and you find what? A toe, okay? You find a toe. You were like, what was I gonna find? A toe, all right? Now, here's what you would think. First off, you would think, that's gross, all right? I mean, even the connected, one, even the connected ones there aren't that great, all right? Let's just be real. But here's what you would think. Something has gone horribly wrong right here. Now you wouldn't look at that toe and go, oh man, you're, you individual toe, who am I to tell you that you need to be connected to a body? You, you would look at that toe and go, man, clearly there's been a problem here. Not only for the toe, but there's also some guy limping around, missing a toe over here and something's gone horribly wrong for the guy missing the toe as well. Now, you don't even have to be a doctor or stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night to diagnose the future of that toe. It's disconnected from its what? Lifeblood, right? And it's going to what? Shrivel up, stink, and die. See, 
When you get disconnected from the body of Christ, your future is you're going to what? Shrivel up, stink, and die. You are to be a part of the body of Christ, Christian. Now, Martin talks about one more thing, and I want to share a little of, of that with you as well, because either you, you've either thought about this or you work with someone who's said it or you've experienced some, I don't know what the right Greek word to, to, to use here is, moron online say something and other people who are just as big of morons as them comment on it like it's a good thing, like it's a truth, all right? And I want you to take this and to just be able to have a conversation with it with some of those morons, okay? Non-truth tellers or whatever you wanna call them. You put the word in there, all right? Anyways, some of you, maybe you have a family member, they're like, yeah, I hear you, but, but I have church hurt. And that idea is thrown around a lot. I'm okay with God. Me and God are good, but not the church. That's unbiblical is what that is. That is not true. That is from the enemy, all right? You're either with me or against me, one or the other. And if you're not, if the word disagrees with it, you're against me. And so anyways, I'm good with, I'm okay with God, but not the church. And let, look, let, let's just be honest, for sure. There have been people wronged, people hurt. Like, there have been people who have been hurt at church, by the church. But let me tell you, people hurt people, they do. And this place is full of sinners. We are full of sinners. And people are gonna disappoint you. And people are going to let you down. And look, the church did not hurt you. There were some people who are a part of the church who might have hurt you. But look, I want you to know, like, and I was reminded of this as I listened to his, his sermon. It's like, our elders do not get together regularly and meet. We don't sit around and say, who are we gonna hurt this week? You know, what about Anita on the third row? Have you ever thought about hurting her? Like, she seems to be a perfect target. Her kids are struggling. We can just swoop right in and really put the bang on her and hurt her. No, it sounds stupid, doesn't it? No one is conspiring against you today, okay? That's not how it works, all right? See, if you had a bad church experience, that doesn't mean you give up on church. And I love what Martin says here. He said, you've had a bad haircut before and you didn't give up on haircuts, did you? <laughs> no. Like, you've had a bad meal before and you didn't give up on meals, did you? Obviously not. <laughs> Can I say that? Look, we are to be connected to the body. We are a part of the body. And this is so important to understand so that we can now dig into the text today and see where you, where I can help, how you matter. Like you count, you matter. How you now can begin to make a difference in the body. That's what I was talking about up here, just everybody up here doing all kinds of things, doing all kinds of gifts. They're making a difference in the body. Like it's all around. <clears throat> all right. 
Now, today, here we are. Let's look at the first part. We're gonna be in Romans chapter 12. And so if you've got your Bibles, turn there. It's like we come to worship. It's a good thing to have a Bible every now and then, but you know, you do you. Anyways, so we're gonna look at the first part of our six, and then we'll spend the rest of our time focusing in on the gifts mentioned in the rest of the text, all right, that John just read. Now, I lo- absolutely love the very first part of verse six. Before he gives us information about some of these specific gifts, all right, he gives us this just tad bit of great info and a great reminder. Look at verse six with me. Having gifts that defer according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Even though we are one body in Christ, God has given us different gifts and he's given us diversity within the body. Now that's pretty plain to see as you look around the church. Some people are interested in different things. They do different things. There's diversity within the body. Now, you know, you're welcome, all right? I don't get up here and sing every Sunday. You're welcome. I just, you know, relax. It's not gonna happen. All right, I I sing down there and the front row is good for me because I can sing loud. And like, I don't have to look around at people going, who's that? That's awful. I don't have to worry about that. Like, it's a perfect spot for me. My wife, she's like, yeah. She just blows it off because she knows who I am, you know? It's just like we read in 1 Corinthians last week. Look, Look back over with that verse 17 with me. 1 Corinthians 12, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? Do you see that there? You can plug up your ears and all of a sudden your eye doesn't hear. That's ridiculous. He goes, if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? When you get a cold, you can't smell anything. It's not like your ears or eyes all of a sudden can begin to what? Smell. No, that's crazy to even think like that. You can't, you just can't smell anything at the time, right? Verse 18, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Now, this isn't hard for us to understand when it comes to our body. If we lose our ears, we're what? We're deaf, right? If we lose our eyes, we're, we're blind, we can't see. If we lose any part of our bodies, it makes it where things don't work like they should. And look, That is how it is within the body of Christ as well. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 20 says, as it is, there are many parts, but one body, just one. You are important, Christian, in the body of Christ. Now, is your eye important to you? Well, you bet it is. What about your ear, your your nose, your, your arm? What about your parts that aren't as easily seen, your heart? Is it important? Sure it is. Your kidneys, your liver, are they important? You bet. They're super important to the whole. And so it is with you, Christian. You, like you as a Christian are super important to the whole. I get so tired, so tired of hearing. Like, oh, you're a big church. You don't really need my help. I'm like, "You you don't need our help. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, because we're a big church, we have a whole lot more holes to fill. We have a whole lot more ministries to, that, to, to like, like work in and keep up and do. Like, yes, we need everyone because we're a body, one body. You're super important to the whole. 
And look, you might not be seen every week by everyone or anyone for that matter, but what you do, what God has gifted you to do is important because we're one body. And one of our organs, one of our body parts actually stops working or isn't working, it's a struggle. Something's not right. It's the same in the body. If someone isn't working, if something isn't doing their part, then it's a struggle. It's, it's hard on everyone else. There's so many body parts that we could say this about. But let's just say you, you twist your ankle. It's all puffed up and you can't walk on it. And the doctor says what? Don't put any weight on it. You need to give it some time to heal. And what's happening in that moment? You're finding crutches, maybe a brace, maybe some ibuprofen. You can't really use it. So it's there, Right? but it's just not really good for anything. And so it puts a stress on the rest of your body at that moment. If you walk without crutches, you're hopping along and there's stress put on your other leg, ankle and foot. You're trying your best not to fall and break your neck as well. If you walk with crutches, it puts stress on your arms and armpits and other leg as well. What about when you're just laying around, letting it heal, basically, you aren't doing anything. You're looking at your phone, playing a game, watching TV. Someone's probably helping get you food, water, medicine, basically taking care of you. You're useless, no help at that point. And really, you cause more problems than you're able to do anything, right? And so it is with the body of Christ. If you're a leg in the body of Christ, you're not doing what you need to be doing, then someone is either picking up the slack for you or it just isn't getting done. And you're probably creating more problems than anything else. You're causing other people more work. You're not helping, but hurting the body. Well, let's just take the children's area. I know a bunch of you volunteer with our kids and love them so well. It's a blessing for you to serve the body this way and teach our kids about Jesus and what God's doing there is so awesome right now and, and uh, um, unexplainable. He's just good and we're thankful for that. And some of you, you know this is your ministry. You love teaching kids. It's your thing. You're, you're there each and every week. Others fill in because you know it's needed and you can watch and give help to those who are there regularly and you can assist. And you're like, yeah, I'm probably not gonna teach, but you assist and help. So someone is leading and teaching, teaching and others are just in the background loving kids and helping corral them, just trying to make it where they don't kill their, themselves or one another or anyone else, you know. But when someone calls in and makes it a last minute, you know, can't make it, and I can't tell you how difficult that is on our crew. Why is that? Well, it's because everyone is important. Everyone's needed. There's different roles and different people to do those roles, and none of them are more important than any of the others. But they're all important. Do you see that? And yet God, in his grace, has given each of us a gift. Now, what is grace again? Grace is God's unmerited or undeserved favor to us. It cannot be earned. It cannot be bought. His grace, his grace is just, it's freely given. All right, it's just freely given. So God in his grace has given each Christian a gift. And look closely at what Paul says next there in verse six. He says, let us use them. Let us use them. He's given it to you by his grace. He's saying, let us use them. Now, why does our gracious God give us these gifts? To use, right? Yeah. To use. To not to put on a shelf, right. not to assume someone else is doing it, not to think, oh, well, this is a pretty large church and there's so many people they don't need me. Nothing like that, right? 
One second. I'm going to start back there in just a second. I just want to pray real quick. Father, we, uh, I don't know anything going on, but I know you do. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would work in this moment. <clears throat> and, Lord, I pray that you'd use the people that are there to do what needs to be done. God, may your hand be upon whoever's, whatever's going on, Lord. We ask for your, <clears throat> your, your, your healing. Um, and, Lord, just take care of them in this moment, Father. And um, God, <clears throat> I thank you for those willing to help and uh, step up. And Lord, may you um, be made much of in the situation, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. amen. <clears throat> All right. Um, so the question I asked was, why does our gracious God give us these gifts? Paul says what? To use them, right? Use them, not to put on a shelf, not to just assume that someone else is going to do what you're created to do. Of course, <clears throat> we need you, but even if we didn't, Paul reminds the Roman believers what? Let us use them. Right. Here's what I want to remind you before we jump into looking at the gifts. Paul names here in Romans 12. If you go back to early on in this series, I know it's been a couple of months ago, but early on we talked about the fact that we should what? Present your bodies as what? Living sacrifices. And a living sacrifice is just a genuine Christian, someone who trusts in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. And because of that, it only makes logical sense because of God's mercy in their life to present themselves as a living sacrifice to God. Remember, Merriam-Webster defined a sacrifice as surrender of something for the sake of something else. They are dead but alive. They're dead to self and sin and alive to God and his kingdom and his will. They've surrendered their wants and plans and hopes and desires. What? For the sake of God's wants and plans and desires. And because we have presented our bodies as living sacrifices, I would then suggest to you that part of that is what we talked about two weeks ago and what I've already talked about some today as living, sacrifice, as living sacrifices as what? One body in Christ. Therefore, we are to use our gift for the sake of others. God has given us gifts to use in the body and living sacrifices do that, all right? Now, what are these gifts? Well, this is not the only place in scripture where gifts are mentioned. And I personally, I don't think that there's any one place in scripture that gives us a detailed look at what every single gift would be. There's some overlap, there's some different ones in different places, but there's not a specific place to go and get them all, I don't think. And, and even though many spiritual gift tests narrow it down to a few, and then you take the test and well, boom, that's what they say you are, right? <clears throat> Tim Kellogg, Keller, I kind of like how he categorized them. He points out that there are many different gifts, but they kind of filter down into three different areas or categories. He says the first one is speaking gifts, prophecy, teaching, so forth. The second one he says is leading gifts, which is wisdom, administration. And the third one he says is serving gifts, giving mercy, giving mercy, hospitality, things like that. He said this about that. He said, these gifts are given so that they can be expressed through ministries. Particular channels of service that focus on people's needs. A particular ministry may require one specific gift 
or a combination of gifts. I love that because it's, it's important for us to remember as we think about these gifts that we may think that we have one, but really God has made us where we have two or more of these combining in our lives to do exactly what God has gifted us for in the body of Christ. So if I take one of those spiritual gift tests, I may come out with the same gift as you know my best friend. But because of my personality and because of my specific gift has more than just one area in it, what I do may not look exactly like what they do. And they have a similar gift. Plus, I may not need to do exactly what they're doing since my gifting is a little different. I may be able to then fulfill my gifting in a little bit of a different role within the body. All right, so let's dig in and look at these. The first one is prophecy. Paul says in the end of verse six, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. Many times we think of prophesying, we think of foretelling the future, and that's just not what it means at all. If we think back to the prophets in the Old Testament, we think of a specific person who was given a message from God and delivered that message then to the people. Now it was either to his people or to the world, but they took the message from God and they gave it to the people of God. They spoke on behalf of God. Now that context for those prophets at that time was more of a um, divinely inspired message. We see some of that in the New Testament as well, but most of that we look back and we see that in the Old Testament. Now the word for prophecy here means the gift of communicating and enforcing revealed truth. One commentary said that the Greek word for prophecy was literally one who's, who stood in front of another person and spoke for him kind of like Aaron did for Moses in the Exodus period. Now I've given you all of that to confuse you, right? All right, I hope I did all right with that. No, really, I want you to know all that because from what I can tell that what this means here has more to do with preaching, standing and telling what has already happened that what has already been proclaimed, so to speak. And so when Paul says, in proportion to our faith, he's not saying, hey, if you have a lot of faith, then you can prophesy more. Or if you have now a deeper level of faith, then you can prophesy better. That's not what he's saying. I think he's saying, if your God-given gift is prophecy, then you stay within the guidelines of the Christian faith and go for it. Use that gift, do it. James Montgomery Boyce says, this is the only place where these words occur in the Bible but they have been seen to teach what is usually described as the need to compare one scripture with another so that a passage that is clearly understood throws light on one less clear. So you, you probably heard me or somebody else say it at one time, but the best commentary in the Bible is what? The Bible itself, right? Many times in other passages and other texts, the Bible digs deeper into what it's saying in other places, and it really just happens so many times. So if you're really looking into what something means, look at what the Bible says about that topic in other places, not just in where you're at in that moment. Right. Tim Keller says about the last part of verse six, he says, Paul is saying that the prophet must not prophesy in a way that contradicts Christian doctrine, right? That's what he's saying there. All right, number two, serving. If service, he says, in our serving. The Greek word for serving here is the word Diakonia. It's where we get the word deacon from. It means waiting at table or service. 
And so this is a practical sense of the word serving. It's those who have been given the gift of serving from God. They are what? Serving in the body and they, 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 they include the deacons, but so many more people as well. These people rarely, if ever, are looking for the spotlight. They normally just want to serve and assist and love everyone through serving others. Now here's an interesting thought on this one. Since this is a gift from God in his grace to some people, are others excused from serving? Like, you know, if this isn't necessarily your gifting in the body. Uh, that's, not, that's not the case. I think we want to think about this as we look at this. Jesus himself said this in Matthew 20, verse 28. He said, even as the son of man came, what? Not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for, for many. You and I, we look like Jesus as we serve and we all have a responsibility to serve. And so I would even say to you, if, you, if you're interested in getting involved in serving, Grab one of the meet and greet classes. We have one a month. It gives you lots of information about the church. You can hear about many of the ways that you can serve here at Fountain City. <clears throat> Number three, teaching. This one appears in all five spots where gifts are mentioned in the New Testament. Ray Stedman said that he believed that as much as one third of all Christians have this gift. I don't know if he's right or not, but if he is, then there needs to be a whole lot more people teaching the word of God and not making excuses. <clears throat> now, if you have the gift of teaching, what does Paul say you should do with it? Use it, yes, use it, that's exactly right. <clears throat> now, does that mean if you have the gift of teaching that you should be up here beside me or with me, a pastor or a preacher? No, okay? But maybe you should, I don't know. But that doesn't mean that's where it has to be. Many people have the gift of teaching and choose not to use it because they think it means in a, a large group or larger groups and, and that maybe you have to preach to do it. And that's the only way you can use it. And maybe you have a gift to just make something clear that's unclear. It doesn't mean you can't teach math or, or engineering. No, you may not understand math at all. But what you do understand, you'll be able to clearly communicate to someone else to help them understand it as well, right? To make something unclear, clear. So in the context of the Bible, you can take something that might not be clear and just clear it up for others. Teach it to them. You can do that to one specific group. You know, you might be great with youth. You might be great with adults. You might be great with kids. Some people are like, how in the world do you teach adults? And others are like, why in the world do you ever teach high schoolers? And then others are like, man, I love teaching the kids. That's by the grace of God for the good of the entire body. Like that should encourage us. God's working. God's putting people in the places they need to be. Now that's not necessarily in a large group. That can be a small group. You know what? It can be one-on-one. -on -one. It can be a larger group, but it doesn't have to be. See, all of that is by the grace of God for the good of the body. Now do you see why we look different? We have different roles to play, different areas for us to do it in even. And when someone's not pulling their weight, the rest of the body suffers. Number four, exhortation. The one who exhorts in his exhortation, verse eight says, some translations use the word encourage here. The actual Greek word is parakaleo, meaning one who is called in alongside another to help out. I want, I want you to get this one. We use the word encourage or exhort as somebody who passes someone who does a good job and gives them a what? Atta boy. 
right? That's kind of how we use that. You know, they come up to the plate, they hit a double, score a run, they come back to the dugout, and everyone's like, well, nice hit, way to go, a boy. That's kind of how we use it, but that's not what this is referring to. This is the same root word here where Jesus tells his disciples in John 16, 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. So the idea is the same. The helper doesn't come to give you and I pats on the back and attaboys. No, the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us and some in the body have that gift as well to come alongside of a brother or sister in need and just help them out. Boyce says, let the person who has the gift of getting alongside another person to help him or her really do it. Let him stand by his friend and really help him. See, that's exactly what the Spirit does for us. And some have the gift to do that for others. Use it. Do it. And look, if that's your gift and you're not using it, like you're letting people down. People that desperately need you and they have no one. We're living in one of the most connected times ever and there is more disconnectedness, depression, and loneliness than at any time. Like, step up, Christian. You have an important gift. In the words of Paul, let us use them. Number five, generosity, the one who contributes in generosity. This one really isn't hard to figure out. If you've got this one, you're a giver, and most of the time you're generous in so many different ways, different areas. These people are actually some of the most fun people to be around. You can talk to them about giving, and they don't look at you like a deer in headlights. They have experienced God's goodness and faithfulness through generosity, and they just want more of it. And they get it. They contribute to so many different things and are always open to giving more. They get that it's all God's anyways. They, they get that. And he's just letting them be the stewards of it. And this is interesting to me again because are those with this gift the only ones who give? Well, of course not. God has set up the tithe and that's for every believer. But we say all the time, that's just the beginning point. That's the, what the training wheels of giving. So we're to be what? Cheerful givers. But some, by the grace of God, just have that as a gift. Number six, leadership, the one who leads with zeal. Leaders are those who have some gifts and skills in area of management or administration, and then people follow them. Leaders, they lay out a mission or a vision, and people surround them and follow them. Not that other people are followers. It's just that this person has a good enough vision and leadership that others want to be a part of it, so they do follow them. These people can motivate non-leaders and other leaders to get on board with a good idea, with a good thing. I can't remember how, exactly how it goes. I was thinking about this, and if you remember it, you can just come up and tell me later. That'd be great. But Absolutely. I hope it wasn't bless you. Bless you. Thank you. Anyways, those are, those are different blessings. <laughs> um, anyways, if you know this, you can probably jog my memory at, between services, but if you're walking down a path and you claim to be a leader, but no one's following you, you're not leading, right? You're just taking a walk. Those with this gift are actually followed by other people. They aren't just out taking a walk. And then mercy, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. I like what Keller says about this. He said, this is a gift of people specifically moved to work with the poor, the sick, the weak, the prisoner, the addict, the elderly, and so on. 
And that gives us a kind of an idea of what this looks like. But how are they to do it? This was an interesting one. Cheerfully. The Greek word for cheerfulness is hilaroteti. And that's where we get our word hilarious from. And so when you work with the sick, the poor, the weak, the addicted, and so on, man, it can just be so much at times. It's difficult. It's draining. It's discouraging. It can be all of that and so much more. But how are we to do that? With cheerfulness, with a smile. Now, those are the gifts Paul mentioned, but let, let's take this back to our context and ask a question. If you're a Christian, God has given you a gift to use. The body needs you. Are you using it? Look, I know how this goes. We, we're clearly thinking we don't need this or it's for someone else. And I know you're concerned with somebody else that you know that's not you know, working or that's not doing their part. And, you know, but I want you to ask you to examine your life for just a moment here. Let me see if I can help you, okay, really quickly as we close. If you're part of the body or not, if you were to walk out those back doors, turn left, walk out the front doors of this church, and you never came back, if this was your last Sunday here ever, would you leave a hole in this church? One that hurts the rest of us? Or would no one really know that you were gone. And let me just say, we've had people leave who are on both sides of this. Some leave and no one knows they're gone for weeks and people get mad and say, no one ever contacted me. No one ever made an attempt to, to get me to come back. Well, of course we didn't. They just came. They sat. They took up real estate. They never got in the battle with us. They didn't really do anything. They were never really a part of the body. The Bible says this in 1 John 2, 19. They went out from us. But they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. And then there have been others who have left. Something happened. They moved out of town, whatever the case. They left a hole in the body. They left a spot that we've been trying to fill because they were doing it. And they were here, and they were part of the body, and they were needed, and they're missed. They were part of us. Where do you fall today? Where do you fall? Some of you are making excuses. Well, I'm, I'm big, I've got, I've got, well, like, put all that out. Where do you fall? Are you doing your part? If you never came back, would we miss you?
you so much for joining us today. We believe God is doing great things in our church, our community, and around the world. If you have a story of God at work in your life or questions about this message, we'd love to hear from you. Just send us an email at amen at fountaincity.church.